0: Let's read our scripture lessons for today. Proverbs chapter 3 is uh, the first 12 verses is one of our Old Testament texts. It's the one that we'll close with in our sermon today. Uh, It's a good text. Countless numbers of our confirmation class members. Ted, when you went through confirmation, I'm sure I made you guys memorize Proverbs 3, 5 through 12, or 5 through 10. So a lot of young people here and other folks should know a good bit of this passage. Tim Lyders had to memorize it twice, so I could ask him to come up here and he'd recite it right now, I'm sure. He says, don't, John. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, listen here to God's word. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For a length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. Amen. Our primary text today is Jeremiah chapter 2, the first 12 verses, I believe. First 13 verses, pardon me. This is at the very start of uh, Jeremiah's prophetic ministry. We don't know where this one was delivered, but when he edited his his prophecies and spoke them so Baruch could write them down. This is the one he sought to put first, saw fit to put first. It may well have been the first one that he spoke. We don't know. Uh, But it certainly carries the burden and the insight that God works through him to the nation of Israel. So listen here to God's Word. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and proclaim in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember concerning you the devotion of your youth, the love of your betrothals, your following after me in the wilderness through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first of his harvest. All who ate of it became guilty. Evil came upon them, declares the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, what injustice did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and walked after emptiness and became empty? They did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and of deep darkness, through a land that no one crossed and where no man dwelt? I brought you into the fruitful land to eat its fruit and its good things. But you came and defiled my land, and my inheritance you made an abomination. The priests did not say, Where is the Lord? And those who handled the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal, and walked after things that did not profit. <coughs> Therefore I will yet contend with you, declares the Lord, and with your sons' sons I will contend. For cross to the coastlands of Katim and see, and send to Kedar and observe closely, and see if there has ever been such a thing as this. Has the nation changed gods when they were not gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit? Be appalled, O heavens, at this, and shudder, be very desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. To hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Amen. Then our gospel lessons from the gospel of John, the 19th chapter, verses 13 through 16, I believe. Let me turn there. Yep. Good Friday. In the morning. Those who went to Israel with us just a year ago. Have some sense of where this happened in Jerusalem. It's a crucial day. A crucial time for Pilate and for the people around him. Listen here to God's word. Therefore, when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now, now, it was the day of preparation for the Passover. It was about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews, Behold your King." So they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. Amen. We'll take a few moments to bow our heads and silently meditate upon God's word, which we've read. Gracious God, Lord, we ask for you in these few moments. To speak your word to our hearts and to our lives in such a way that we are fed by you we are taught by you and we are empowered by you come holy spirit help us we ask through christ our savior the lord of all amen do you like history What Helen said is what a lot of people say, I don't like history. Well, whether you like history or not, you should be aware of it and think about it. How should we think about it? Here's how we should think about it. Here's where I am. Here's where we are. What does this really look like? How did we or how did I get here? What was the starting point? Now, this could be done on a family level. This could be done on a national level. Certainly should be done on a personal level. So let's look at our texts that we read today in the light of history. John 19, 13 through 16. Pilate was in a fix. How'd he get there? Well, his fix is this. What is he to do with this man, Jesus of Nazareth? He knows what's happening. He knows that he's delivered up because of envy. Show the, Herb, you have the the screen there, the, the one shot, the first shot, show them that. Mark 15:10. for Pilate was aware that the chief priests had delivered, or handed Jesus over because of envy. There wasn't any guilt there. Three times, he's going to declare him innocent. The issue is this, is Jesus king of the Jews? Now, in his conversations with Pilate, Jesus acknowledges that he's a king. He says, yes, I'm a king. It's for this reason that I came. Pilate makes an effort to release him. The Jews say, no way, no way can you release this guy. Then they say the words that resonate. Uh, Proverbs or John 19, 12. If you, the Jews say to Pilate, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Now, the text that we read said when Pilate heard these words, he was troubled. Those are the words he heard. If you release this man you are no friend of Caesar and that focuses Pilate's mind wonderfully. (laughs) And he knows what he must do. He must have this man killed, though he knows he's innocent. He must have this man killed. A crucial day for Pilate. The Jews are in a fix too. Since their return from Babylon 400 years earlier, there have been ups and downs, yet all that time they've been looking for the king, right? Now they've reached a good spot though, in their history. They have a good good relationship with Herod. They don't like him, but they they work it all out. They have a good relationship with the Romans. That's all right. But Jesus of Nazareth threatens that. Because just earlier this week, that is when when they're meeting, they'd heard crowds proclaiming as Jesus came into Jerusalem, Hails son of David king of the Jews king of Israel now wait if he says that we're all going to get hammered He can't say that we have to get him out of the way and he's threatening them. He must be removed And so it's a crucial day for Pilate and for the Jews Though three times in each of the Gospels by the way three times Pilate says I find no guilt in him What will he do? He says I must do what i must do regardless of the truth yet he wants to make the records show why he did what he did to give some kind of a salve for him he says has the sign for this is the king of the jews that's why i'm crucified this is the king of the jews and then he gives the order to kill the son of god crucial day The Jews make a horrendous declaration in response to Pilate. Pilate says, Behold your king. They say away with him, crucify him. Pilate says, Shall I crucify your king? Now that's a great question, and that's the correct question on top of it. They've been sliding down a slippery slope for a while. Now they're at the cusp of the cliff. Which way will they go? They take the plunge. They say, We have no king but Caesar. Huh. Huh. Can a people change gods? Yes. And they did that day. The repercussions were. Horrendous. The repercussions continue to this day until they say Jesus is king. Now, how about Jeremiah 2 1 through 13? As I said, this is the first and basic message of Jeremiah. It's God giving a history lesson of their nation. We had a honeymoon period. It was great. I protected and cared for you. If anyone touched you, bam, I hammered them. I, I led you all the way through. Uh, now, these past generations, these, now you have defiled my land and made my inheritance an abomination. And God's allegation has several different parts. He says, one, you have no historical remembrance. It's a bad thing. They have no historical remembrance of God's work in their midst, of God leading their land of leading their nation, that God has done this, that we need to give thanks to God, remember who He is, and continue to seek Him. They have no remembrance of that. There's no sense of God in their national life, at least not the God of the Scriptures. And we read there that all the leaders have gone astray, prophets, priests, and kings. And then he makes that statement, my people have changed their glory. Now a decade ago or so we preached in the book of Exodus for about three years and we learned what glory means What's the basic definition of glory? It shows glory for whomever it may be it shows their essential character So Israel has changed their glory they've changed their essential character from those who are under the living and true God To those who are not, a change has happened in national character. God says there's two evils that show this. It's an image he wants us to recognize. Two evils that are done that are intimately connected, that are opposite sides of the same thing. They have forsaken the fountain of living waters on one hand on the other hand, they've hewn for themselves they've made for themselves broken cisterns that can hold no water notice the difference a fountain is self-producing you don't make the fountain work the fountain works the fountain works you receive you receive the fountain works the cistern you make, you mold, you do whatever, and you fill it up. He says, they've forgotten, they, they, they thought they could make religion, they could make faith something they do, something they shape and mold their own purposes, rather than letting me shape and feed and fill them. Let's look at our land, the United States of America. <clears throat> We are a nation founded on the reality of the God of the Bible. Don't let anyone tell you anything different than that. If they are telling you something different than that, it's a lie, it's not truth, it's not historical, it's wrong. And we hear it all the time. I want to tell you that's, that's a falsehood you ought not to believe, and you should know history so you can say that that's not true. Now, it's true, that doesn't mean the whole land was... Christian that doesn't mean everyone was devout that doesn't mean all the founders were saints But we as a nation were founded on the belief in the God of the Bible There were always issues, but that's always the case Till we get to heaven What a day that will be right what a day that will be No more troubles there. No more sorrows there here we got some but we knew who we were I tell you that we have lost our way we read this stuff about Jeroboam from Jeremiah about Israel it's true for us nationally it may be true for people individually have you lost your way there's been a fundamental change at the highest levels in our land as well as in the lowest let me tell you a little story that exemplifies that Robert George is a professor at Princeton University. Back in 2010, he was at a meeting of the American Constitution Society. Well, that sounds good. So he was sitting there waiting for the meeting to start. it was a dinner meeting, and they had a little pamphlet with uh, various uh, historical documents. You know, the, the Constitution, uh, the Declaration of, Ind- well, not con- the preamble to the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, uh, Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, etc. He said, huh, the Gettysburg Address. I memorized that in the sixth grade. I wonder if I can still say it. Four score and 17 years ago, our forefathers brought forth into this nation, and on and on. He got so far, and he couldn't remember anymore, and he said, I better check and see what's there. And he opened it up. Would you show the next text, Herb, please? That we here at Gettysburg, Lincoln says, highly resolved that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. Now, leave that up for a while. What he discovered, when he went through it, and said, oh yeah, they showed where he had left off. And he, I remember the rest of it now. But they had left out the under God. That is, in the printed text that they distributed, they did not put the, the phrase under God in it at all. Hmm. Hmm. May I say to you, you can put that down now, thank you. There are many many people in high places scholarly people who should know better people who are trying to erase god from our life our national life and your personal life you need to be aware of that because what we read in jeremiah is happening here and our people are liable to commit two evils forsake the fountain of the living god to you for ourselves, cisterns that are broken and can't hold water. We're going to pray today in our pastoral prayer for the nation of Finland. Did you hear what happened in Finland this week? The whole national government resigned. All the, the, the people there, the cabinet, all that. They all resigned because they can't do what they had purpose to do. They have where everyone gets a, a wage no matter what you do. Yeah, but it's not a great wage, but it's a wage that you can, if you want to do, you can live on that. And y'all have health care and all all that's provided by the government. Except the government has to get the money somewhere. And they realized we can't tax people enough that they would put up with it. (laughs) That we can pay all this. So we have to resign. They had hewn a cistern. It was cracked, broken. That could hold no water. May I say to you, we are marching down that same road, and it's, it's not good. And that road begins with the denial of God—God God the Creator, God the Lawgiver, and God the Redeemer. We've been doing all that. You've heard of the Freedom from Religion Society. They're profiting a lot of this. I have a friend who's a member of that. May I say to you, that is a lie. They are part of a religion. All that which professes to want to get God out of things, that's a religion. There's no such thing as neutrality. It, it, It cannot happen. It's not there. Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. There's no neutrality. You're either for me or you're against me. All right. I'm three minutes over, but bear with me. We have to finish Proverbs 3. So what should we do as persons, as individuals, as families, as a nation? We should read Proverbs 3, 1 through 12. The first four verses basically are an exhortation to not forget God and His Word. No matter what you do, always keep God in his word, centered where, where you are. Get it in your heart, Get, so wear it around your neck. What it means by that means, let your life, you know, a necklace is meant to, to enhance your character, who you are. Make sure that you're, that, that what you do characterizes from God's word. Says so write it on your heart. Have it in here where you're thinking of it, that you know what it is. Have it there. And then there's a series of things that should be done at the beginning of verse five, and I'll just read through them quickly. The first one is this don't be smarter than God we've all done that we hear what God says we say that won't work (laughs) that's not true that can't work in our age that can't work in my life that can't work in my circumstances trust in the Lord with all your heart. do not lean on your own understanding that doesn't say don't think that doesn't say don't say don't read all those things It says don't lean on your own understanding or that of some expert who who wants to throw away God First thing you need to do trust in the Lord Don't lean on your own understanding. don't think you're smarter than God number two number six in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight all the Bible for all of life If you have some corner of your life or some corners of your life or some sections of your life That you've not given to the Lord said Lord show me and guide me here well then you need to get those things under under God in all your ways all your ways acknowledge him hallelujah isn't that good he's he's concerned for all of us though I mean the, the whole part of us number seven verse seven turn away from evil do not be wise in your own eyes Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. How many times have I heard people, how many times have I done it myself, where I said, well, you know, this great truth is good for them, but you know, for me, eh, we'll just make a little exception. You never done that? Baloney, I know you have. We all do. But what it says is, do not be wise in your own eyes. Don't use your, the great mental faculties that God has given you to to somehow figure out a way that you cannot do what he says. You can go ahead and do evil. I should do evil because of this. Don't do that. If God says it's evil, if he says it's wrong, don't do it. We have a whole nation, a whole culture that's busy not paying attention to verse seven of Proverbs three. They're declaring to be good and right. What God says is evil. Verse 9, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. You need to make sure you're faithful in your tithing and giving. Period. Doesn't matter. Tithing is where you start, you give beyond that. You want to honor God. Here's, Here's how you do it it's that simple. It says, He'll take care of you. By the way, my wife and I, we've tithed for years. And we're at a place where we can't believe how God has blessed us. You know, we actually own a home. Can you believe that? I mean, I cannot believe it. I wouldn't have believed it a year ago if you told me you're going to own a home. And it just worked out. No, that's a good home. Come by and see us sometime. Well, call Pat. Then here's the last one, five points here. Verses 10 and 11, my son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. When God corrects you, don't shake your fist. Don't give him the finger. Don't holler at him. Don't get mad at him. It says those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Know that that's a sign of God's love. When he brings the conviction of guilt on you, about something. Don't say, oh, oh, God's always shaping me. No, God's bringing you back. Don't get mad about that. Don't get upset. Read this. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe this reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. God's gracious and good. You can trust him. When he corrects you, it's for your good. Do you like history? No, you still don't? Well, read some history anyway. What's your history personally? We can see the history of Israel. We can see the history of the USA. And the Lord is calling us through Jeremiah, through all his word, to consider our history and become wise. Amen.